Don does Over the Edge every week. He's been doing it every week for 34 years. Suddenly I began to think what you could do with a radio studio and, and, and being a studio with a whole lot of sound sources at your disposal, you could just load them up and mix them and send them back and forth and overlap and all that kind of stuff. He was over the edge, like that was, he, he lived and breathed it, he was his own work. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. I'm Paul Reismandel. Hey Paul, and today we are joined by a documentary filmmaker to bring us well, a one-of-a-kind artist whose work could only have existed on community radio. Yeah, non-commercial radio, really community, or maybe college radio, but that's about it. It's about sure. the only venue that... I'm not going to draw a line between community radio Fair and college enough. radio Let's for this intro. Lines. So we're going to be talking about Don Joyce and the band Negative Land. He was a member of the band Negative Land, which you might be familiar with. And Don Joyce had a radio program for over three decades on a radio station KPFA in the Northern California Bay Area called Over the Edge. So we'll be talking about that today on Radio Survivor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, we'll want to make an announcement that the Grassroots Radio Conference is coming up later this year, October 5th through 7th. It'll be here in Portland, Oregon, where we record the show. And it is hosted by KBU Community Radio here in Portland, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary. We'll tell you more about that after the interview. Grass... Roots Radio, Radio conference. conference. So we'll tell you more about that. Well, I can explain more about what's going on after we first, though, hear from Ryan Worsley. We're on the line with Ryan Worsley, documentary filmmaker of uh, the movie How Radio Isn't Done, which is a documentary about um, lonely radio genius, collage artist, uh, late night, late night pioneer of. Uh, a very strange and important kind of radio that I love, uh, and, and that's far too long of an introduction. Uh, Ryan Worsley, thanks, Ryan Worsley, for being on Radio Survivor. Thank you. And I, I tripped myself up because Don Joyce, the subject of your documentary, um, isn't. It's not hard to define Don Joyce's art, but you start to go in loops. You start to go in circles to try to describe what Don Joyce does. H how would you put your words to it? Don Joyce's work. Um, yeah, I mean, he said it so well, uh, a few times in the movie, but I guess it changed too. So I, I guess he does collage, a free form collage radio, um, no breaks, no interruptions. Um, so it's a three hour continuous collage. Yeah. And we could say that Don Joyce's three hour continuous radio collage aired on uh, radio station KPFA in in Northern California for thirty five years. For thirty five years, and, and the show continues right in yes. his absence with the with the sort of um, the rules and structures and and uh, uh, idioms that Don Joyce originated are are being repeated by you know collaborators now going forward. Uh, midnight to three a.m. on Thursday nights. Yes, every week. and I always got confused about is it. Thursday night or Friday morning? Good that's point. the and perpetual confusion <laughs> of every person in community radio. And yeah. Ryan Worsley, your documentary about Don Joyce, um, I want to start at the end where okay. Don Joyce has died. Don had an uncanny knack for taking total non sequiturs from out of the middle of a long ramble. And Don Joyce's friends and bandmates, Negative Land, who are also collaborators on Don Joyce's show Over the Edge, 
and just realizing that that non sequitous phrase was the exact thing that needed to be played in a loop over and over and over, like, you know, Our 1 to 20 times per three hour episode. Dubbing so Don's possessions. His collection of tapes. He's yeah. got carts, which were like these 8-track looking tapes that are looped that were used on radio for commercials. Yeah. Anything that need to be played over and over again that he... Uh, that he's collected, as well as his cassette tapes and other sorts of audio ephemera that he used to assemble his show. And they're they're taking these tapes, which are um, bizarre. They're not cassettes. They they're large. They're bulky. They only are used in radio stations in the seventies, all the way up into the nineties and eighties and nineties. But no longer at all, unless you're Don Joyce making radio collages. And they're taking this material that Don had recorded. Over the course of his entire life, I'm assuming, and dubbing it onto uh, Pro Tools Digital so that they can ship these carts off to their fans forever. You better believe it. That's it. Good to have that one. That's good. Yeah. Well, they didn't have much use for it for them, and you know Don's collection. It, it was. It's kind of interesting, and you see it in the movie. Like he's so he's he's very proud of it. He, I mean, he's worked on it his whole life. He's got this incredible amount of stuff, but at the same time, like it's really about the audio. It isn't about the stuff. You know, it's like it's kind of strewn all over, and like you know, in in a, in an organizational way that only he knows. And um, so, and they, and I think Negative Land knew the process, um, but didn't really know what was on the tapes. Like when you look at the little scrawled writings on the tapes, it's not, it's not like super descriptive. It's, it, you, they don't really know what's on them. So yeah, so they're, so they're pulling it off the eight track tapes partially because, um, yeah, they just, they don't use them anymore. Even on the new iteration of over the edge, they use iPads and not these carts. So it's a way of preserving them and also a way of, um, paying tribute because somebody else gets them. But yeah, it was a big joke that whoever gets this cart probably won't have any way to play it. Mm -hmm. Like they would have to buy some outdated machine and these machines are just all broken or just impossible to find. So the joke was there's going to be, you know, a thousand people out there trying to get their hands on these cart machines and, you know, they just don't really exist anymore. You know, what I love in your film is this moment. When I started out uh, in the 80s. Uh, when, uh, well, uh, while Don was still alive, he walks and, you and through the process that he has for grazing all of our media inputs, television and radio and, and, and other, uh, you know, recorded materials. And it's what I record off the media, the raw stuff I get off the media. It's done off a cassette deck, which is plugged into the TV or the radio. So then I end up with cassettes all filled up with all kinds and turns of raw material that's on This huge, uh, you know, it's dump, like this river, ever-flowing river of content. And, and, he, and in some ways, total garbage. Right, total garbage. And he siphons <laughs> off and he sort of skims <laughs> the surface and he's like panning for gold. Do it, yeah. do it. Another cassette where I can stop yeah. and start and sort of edit the thing cassette-wise into the, just the parts I want. So, But I keep my, my recorder on you know, ready to record and plugged into these medias. And uh, anytime anything's going, I'll start it, you know, and, and record can, it. Can you kind of describe that scene for us? Uh, I like to find where, uh, uh, like yeah. what his process was like to take 
all this like the stuff that's constantly coming at us in media and, and just picking out the, the best little tiny bits he can reuse. Right. Well, and he did this off of television and radio and radio, like things you can't rewind, you know. So he's watching this stuff constantly. He had a TV on at all times, you know, waking and sleeping. It was just and he would record. I mean, he would have to record, just hit record. And rec- and he couldn't, like, you know, go back and then record something that he had already heard. And he was recording on cassettes. He was recording on cassettes. And, and so, he, and yeah, it was audio. And so he would record, he would just hit record. And then he would kind of get whatever he got. And, um, and then he'd edit them into these cart machines um, using his dubbing deck. So I think, <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't formally trained either in audio. He was he was a, uh, an artist, and so I think a lot of it was like you know, okay, well, what do I have at my disposal? I have a cassette deck and a bunch of radio equipment. So, like, rather than, you know, get a bunch of gear and learn, you know, audio tech, tech, you know, like how to do it properly, I guess you might say. You know, he wasn't interested in that, I don't think. I think he was really interested in um, just getting it done and however it works. The radio show was, it evolved a lot over three decades. And I think in the beginning, you know, when it was new, he was kind of following the guidelines that Negative Land was sort of setting when they would come into the studio and sort of play sounds and noises and some music and stuff. But it seems like as it evolved, not only did the clips kind of get longer and longer, but they sort of were finding this more... Uh, philosophical sort yeah. of bent. Yeah, these were like. they were radio essays, the collages. Just as it is now is to be infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Your documentary about how radio isn't done isn't a documentary about Negative Land, the band, which is a band that uh, is amazing and fascinating and could be the subject of of documentaries, you focused on Don Joyce and Don Joyce's radio show. Mm-hmm. And yes. that, I think that's a, I love that idea. Like you, I mean, and, and they, there's this great footage in your documentary where Don Joyce sort of politely argues his point that his radio show um, is a bigger deal than negative land, even though they're kind <laughs> of the same thing. Yeah. Well, they started out, kind of together they started out um, working together and you know it was this joining of forces where negative land was the band and then they joined the radio show and then don joined the band and then it was don decided he wanted to focus more on the radio show don does over the edge every week he's been doing it every week 
for 34 years. You know, it's kind of about that, I suppose, how things start, how things continue. For me, you know, after you've figured out, after you've played a record backwards on the air for the 10,000th time, it kind of gets a little old. <laughs> but not for him. Don could do a series of paintings with the color blue, and he could do a hundred of them, exploring all the different, you know, subtle permutations of what you could do using the color blue. And he would find that endlessly interesting. And me, I would do one painting. And it slowly, gradually, they kind of drifted away from the radio show, which is, which is a big chore and a big obligation on a weekly basis to come up with being creative for three hours on a weekly basis. So they just sort of naturally drifted away and back to what they were doing, with, which is making records and stuff. And so uh, I, was, I was back to being uh, just me on, on the air, but doing the mix that they inspired, doing the kind of mixing, the kind of show that they inspired. It was it was fascinating to me too that one that they've been working together for thirty years, so they are really a family. They know each other so well to the point where um, you know when Don passed away, they were the ones that cleaned out his house. You know, they were the yeah. ones that took him to the hospital. They were the ones that you know take care took care of a lot of the business. And so it's that idea that your artistic collaborators become so close that they're family. Yeah, that part was really affecting to me. And it's, it, it reminded me of experiences I've had working in community radio in particular with really fantastically talented, driven artistic people, yeah. driven to do a type of art which is decidedly way outside the mainstream. It's, it's a place for lonely people who still like people. Yeah. But, yeah. but maybe their social skills... So they can talk and communicate and be a part of a vast and thriving community, but also be by themselves. Yeah. And watching these guys sort of needle each other a little bit too, you know, you have some footage which I think some of which you probably was before you decided to do the documentary. It seems that there's some afterwards and listening to them reflect to each other, the other members of Negative Land uh, about being sort of witness to what it started to see as Don's decline in yeah. his later years, as he decided he no longer wanted to go on tour. And there was sort of seemed to be some active worry about him, as you might worry about an uncle who you wish would go yeah. to the doctor more often or wish would take his medication or, you know what I mean, were taking better care of himself. It seemed to be the same sort of of lament at the same time, you know, you wonder, well, what could they do, right? On the one hand, they're <laughs> right there. He's their friend and... Uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance? To, uh, you know, is there things that that you saw, or did, were you able to talk with them, the other members of Negative Land, after Don passed about that at all? Did you get some sense of like what what that was like? Don was a um, he was he he did what he wanted to do, and he smoked just from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to sleep. It was just constantly smoking. There aren't that and many cigarettes in your documentary. You know, I was noticing that, and yeah. and it's not on purpose. You know, he just kind of went out and would smoke and come back. But I and I kind of wish I and I there's no reference to it either. But at the same time, like that, you know, he's he he did what he wanted to do. Peripheral unit tape one is in standby mode. He did what he wanted to do. Yeah, always. And um, he didn't want to be told what to do. He just he would just do what he wanted to do. And I think that the other members of the band respected him tremendously. And so they 
could suggest to go to the hospital. They could suggest these things, but Don was not going to do anything he did not want to do. And I think he really didn't want to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's concern. And I think that there was, yeah, when he started to maybe lose his memory or, um, you know, have seizures and stuff, then it becomes actually scary. Um, but, and so they have, they had to face that. And I think that that was kind of the, the arc of the film that I wanted to show was, you know, yeah, it's really funny that in the, in their album, they, you know, put his ashes in the, in the album and, um, it, it feels like a prank, but in the end, it really, it really isn't, it really is quite touching and also, um, speaks to how difficult it is to, uh, you know, deal with the physical body mm. dying. Right, right. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, that's, that's the bookends of, of your film. Yeah. We start yeah. with some newscasters, yeah. uh, morning newscasters, sort of talking about the fact that uh, with the album The Chopping Channel, which is the latest album by Negative Land, was sent out with little bags of, of Don's ashes. And, and the... The morning, the morning hosts are a little repulsed by the idea. They are hilarious. So Those well, ladies. I tell you, it's not a joke. And it's super gross. Let's just get really, serious. Really, really gross. So there's this rock band, and bands can be weird. I mean, you know, they just are. And this one's giving out human remains with their new album. How about Again, that? we're not yep. kidding. It's two grams of yep. founding member Donald Joyce's cremated remains. <laughs> You know, you sort of end the film with this process of everyone coming together, the bands, and it seems like they're some of their families as well, uh, you know, packaging up the album for shipment, which includes parceling out uh, the ashes into little baggies. But I, think, but I think in the end you get it. Like you yeah. get that it, it it is a tribute. It's not, you know, a way mm-hmm. to sell albums or, or <laughs> be crazy and weird. You know, it, it is actually yeah. a tribute. And I think that people actually really cared about having a piece of Dawn and it, it is a, it is a caring thing. Yeah. Um, recently John Lidecker found a sort of marked up, um, you know, collectors only limited edition chopping channel album for sale. And it was, you know, some exorbitant price hmm. that included Don's ashes. Don's and ashes. it sort of felt weird. Like, yeah, that wasn't really, what we were trying to do here. <laughs> well, to me, so, it, it definitely um, uh, fit with Don Joyce's art and work that yes. uh, in the end, the the ceremonial inclusion of his earthly remains... It's like a sample. ...would go out. There's that. It's There's like also that uh, Don Joyce didn't buy in to the Judeo-Christian religious culture. He didn't, he didn't need a, a proper Christian burial. And he also did, I mean, he rejected so much of how everything was done, not just radio, that of course, in the end, what he's going to do with his ceremonial uh, burial is going to reflect how he, how he treated his artwork as well on the yeah. radio. I feel like he Give was, it away. he was over the edge. Like that was, he, he lived and breathed it. He was his own work. And so to be a part of your own work, is kind of like this perfect way to go you know you're sent out with your own work to your over the air to your your broadcast to the <laughs> to the world yeah. your ashes are broadcast to the world so i i, I thought it was really beautiful but yeah 
what was that process like for you? So you worked on this over the course of several years. You got to know Don and the other members of Negative Land better through that time, I'm certain. I mean, what was it like not, to be part of this? Not really. Okay. Um, no, I, I, you know, okay. So here's the, here's basically how this all came together. Um, I, we, you know, I went and filmed a little bit of their shows, uh, got to know a couple members pretty well, um, but not Don. Don really didn't travel. He mm. wanted to do work. And so I would see Don when he was assembling albums um, doing over the edge. Um, and then he would, you know, he would sit down for interviews, but he wasn't really that happy about it. You know, he, hmm. he wanted to be collecting his audio. He didn't really want to talk. He, he would, he was, he's a great interviewer, um, super patient would answer any questions, but he wasn't really that interested in anything except his work. Hmm. I don't think Negative Land is very popular. I think we're slightly popular among aficionados and, and the, the abstract fringe of music. So that's saying that not many people find it interesting. You know, but that's always true when you're trying to stay out ahead of, of what has happened in the past. So when I decided to put together this film, I only had a few interviews that I had shot with Don and some other Negative Land stuff. So I didn't spend a ton of time with him. I really, my time that was spent was more um, piecing together existing footage and listening to Over the Edge. So what was that like, actually? Because I mean, that uh, if you've ever listened to Over the Edge, I mean, and you listen to hours and hours of it, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, we should say again, it's a three hour long radio collage that weaves in and out all sorts of different sound sources it including oral world musical you know yeah. music content uh, former archived radio content commercials uh sometimes the performance live in the studio sometimes the performance recorded 10 years ago in the studio mixed with the performance live in the studio as well as uh as well as don joyce uh, monologuing Himself, sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. Or don joyce members. or crosley bendix or right any of his many, many, many personas that he took on. Yeah. Um, it's a daunting task, task to try to take this thing that's this, it's its own form. It's a long form. It's a long format. Um, and then trying to distill it into two hours or an hour and a half on film because it's oral. It's audio. Yeah. And um, so there's these questions of like, okay, what is it? Who make it? Because it, 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 and it also changes over the, for over three decades. I just I really in, got into the episodes. I mean, I would be driving back and forth from um, Los Angeles to San Francisco, which is about a five hour drive, and just put in an episode and listen to it from the beginning to the end. And by the end, I'm just, I'm practically drooling because you're in this sort of dreamlike state. It's <laughs> yeah. like this, you're, you're, you're learning a lot. You're, yeah. you're, essays. you're, they're essays, but they're not dictation either. Yeah. And you're, it's not about here's what we're going to learn today. It's you get out of it, whatever you get out of it. Yeah. And you listen to you, he, everybody hears it maybe even a little bit differently. It really is art. 
pop art was a big influence of mine too. That whole aesthetic of taking the common, the 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 commercial, the the stuff that wasn't even considered art, and making it art. That whole approach to art interested me too, which is use the unexpectedly common and um, uh, commercial or whatever pop was doing. It was it was making culture. Pushing culture uh, that was usually disrespected up on a pedestal and saying, hey, look at this again. What's this about? What's this? It's about us, you know, somehow. But I wasn't into collage that much in a, in a visual sense until I got into sound. There's something about what you can do with sound that's very, very difficult to do with imagery, and, and that is to create a, what I would call truly an emotional experience. Sound just comes in, it's, just, it's all inside of your head, it's, it's all in your head. And, uh, and there, I think the, the activity, the action is, is uh, very, very interesting to me. How, that, how you can create these emotional experiences uh, with sound. The idea is basically this, think to yourself what it would be like if your life, just as it is now, was to be infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Infinitely repeated over and over and over again. Just as it is now, was to be infinitely I tried to approach it almost like an over-the-edge, where it has these layers, it has the time layer, it has the um, people layer, it has the work layer and, and kind of having them ru not run in this chronological order. It was more this, it's presenting ideas um, in a flow. And I tried to do that um, a little bit, at least <laughs> as much as I could. So here's what I think some of those ideas are in your documentary, Ryan Worsley. Your documentary is on Don Joyce and his radio show, How uh, Over the Edge. And your documentary is called How Radio Isn't Done. And people can Google it and watch it. They can go to a link in our show notes and watch it on radiosurvivor.com. Um, okay. It's your documentary is about, I mean, I, this, I want to go back to my earlier question. Like why, why do you think Don Joyce focused on this show above all else? Like what, what was the work for Don? Um, why? That's a, well, I mean, there is a quote near the end and it, it, this is the end of his life, but he says you basically you do it cause you can't not do it. And, um, I don't think that's true of all artists, but I think he was compelled to, I think. Um, and I think that because he never stopped, he never stopped thinking about it. Mm. And I think that when you're making art, the most difficult thing is either is usually to start after you've stopped. Yeah. And so rather than, you know, here's this piece, this is finished. This was almost like an ongoing piece and he just never stopped yeah. working. And there's another element as a community radio nerd that I think other community radio people will understand and maybe sort of mourn. This is a weird thing. Once you give up your spot on your community radio station, it's not easy to get back. If you oh, no. if you hold it, it's yours, and but but it's valuable real estate. <laughs> no, and I, I think that was a big worry um, that he had to do it every single week, and you know he would be the first to say not every show was awesome. 
you know, like some shows were just learning about making mistakes. And, yeah, but but they um, were working towards a goal, and a lot of times every show was awesome. I mean, I my big time of being <laughs> an over the edge fan was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, two thousand four was the big the big dip into the work that Don Joyce was doing on Over the Edge. I happened to work at KPFA at the time, but it was a giant fan. And they were doing uh, weekly deep dives into every year of the history of radio, starting <laughs> in the beginning, I believe, and going year by year. And many years would take multiple weeks to explore all of the footage and all of the ideas that Don Joyce wanted to share in this three-hour show. And it was just, um, like you were saying earlier in today's interview, so educational mm-hmm. and beautiful. And, and like, there, I can't think of any other way to communicate, like, what decades and decades and decades of pop radio might have sounded like other than this kind of collage, right? Unless you're going to live through it, how else are you going to to share it with an audience, what Don Joyce had in his brain? How else? Yeah, that's a really good point. And and there, there's also this idea that the, the idea of I'm going to take on the task of the entire history of radio over <laughs> the radio. Yeah. You know, that just seems insane. And, but for the amount of stuff that Don has and can do, it was kind of like, oh yeah, just, yeah, entire history of radio. Well, 52 absolutely. weeks on over a year, end. right? Or, you know, sure. probably a week <laughs> off here and there, you go on tour, maybe you have something else to do. But it's, I think what I'm also hearing though, is that, and this is coming from a, a, a friend, a hoarder, I also hoard things the way that Don Joyce appeared to have hoarded things. And <laughs> if he wasn't sharing it with this radio audience, then he was just right. uh, being kind of pathetic. It had a use. But because it was not, because it went out on the air for three hours and everybody was listening, and everybody, people listened, like, yeah, it, this, well, you his wonder, life's work though, was, was important. You wonder, though, like, which came first? So would Don have done any of this stuff had he not gotten that slot on KPFA? He probably wouldn't. He probably maybe wouldn't have even been doing audio. But because he got the outlet first, yeah, yeah. as a complete novice, he was he was not in radio. He had never been on the radio. And he just, just he just was it was a job and or it was something for him to do. That was the spark. And you wonder, you know, how much of an audience is affects whether or not somebody makes art. But there's a platform, right? And, you know, I mean, because it's something which ostensibly somebody could do at home, even in 1980, you you know, with with a cassette recorder. And in fact, you know, I've heard about people, uh, we wrote about Radio Survivor, I did uh, about a year ago, a guy in England who basically made his own radio show at home on a cassette deck and would send it to people for 20 years. I mean, it's something, <laughs> you know, and of course, awesome. at any point, he's maybe sending out a dozen tapes. Yeah, it's another good idea for a documentary. Right, right. Um, well, there is. It, it, there's a radio documentary about it because that's how I've learned oh, about good. it. Uh, it on, uh, for uh, ABC Radio. I'm sorry, do not ABC link, Australia. Link in the show notes. Link one in the show hope. notes, radiosurvivor.com <laughs> slash podcast. Right, so there's ostensibly. How else am I going to find it, Paul? He had the opportunity <laughs> to do that, but. Yeah. The platform, the supportive infrastructure, the studio, the yeah. equipment, the microphones, and 
that all exists well, because there's we, somebody to listen. And there's somebody yeah. who's not only just listening, We didn't mention the 10th element, the most important, not most important, the fun, the fun. Uh, they would open the phones that right. on, on oh, over yeah. the edge, you uh, any at any point in time between midnight and 3 uh, a.m., you could call the, the the studio line at KPFA, and without anybody answering the phone to tell you what or to do or what not to do, you were patched in. And unless you annoyed him, yeah. you were on the air. Yeah, He'd hang up on you if he felt like it. Don't say hello. Yeah. Don't, Don't say, say hello, hello is a yeah. delightful uh, idiom of the Don Joyce work. That's right. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the things that made it really, truly unique was, was that it did have that audience participation. Yeah. And, um, and it always took all different sorts of forms. And there was, there were definitely, um, repeat callers, yeah, characters. personalities, characters. Yeah. And, um, that's gotta be thrilling to both participate and to, you know, encourage that participation. Yeah. But it's really, it's, it's, yeah, you know, we're not knowing what's going and it, and it is all live. And that is one of the most important aspects of it is that, Every sound is live. Um, it's recorded and, you know, recorded onto these cassette decks. But it's the, the idea of mixing it live. It, it's you don't you don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's, it is like orchestrating and, and conducting. And, and so bringing in these elements from the outside that you have you haven't put together, they're just going to suddenly be on the air. It's really exciting. And. You know, as we peel this apart, right, so we're identifying these different factors that kind of made it so that it was something which, as Don said, uh, he couldn't not do it. And I think that factor of the grind, week in, week out, because it's not only you want to do it, but you've committed to do it, at the very least – there is the, the the DJ ahead of you at KPFA and the DJ behind you are depending on you to show up, be there, keep the, keep the transmitter on, the lights going, the, yeah. the, the audio there. Of course, your listeners are depending on you. It's a violation of FCC rules for you not to show your, up. Your collaborators are, 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 are expecting you to be there. And your audience. And I think that that's why, you know, for a lot of folks, something like community radio ends up being their commitment to art because you mentioned Ryan that you know often the hardest thing with for an artist is getting started or getting restarted once you've stopped and having to be there week in week out perpetually means you never really have permission to stop <laughs> in a certain way right i mean there's yeah. nobody with a gun to his head but you know we all can set the psychological weight on our own shoulders that says right. we have to do it when we do this with the podcast, with our show here. Now, you know, our listeners depend on us, but then we signed up radio stations to carry it. And now they're depending on us and it, it makes sure that I, we don't yeah. go three weeks between episodes. And that, and that definitely helps. And, and, but you're right. There's something about this thing called the grind. And, um, you would think that doing something every, every waking hour for 35 years might, start to lose its luster after a while but i guess it never that's i'm very that's one thing i'm actually very envious of don and Mm -hmm. the fact that he found something that he loved so much and that that something that he could do and albeit he was not being paid i think that's not clear in the film or or to anybody it's like this is his life's work that you know the only 
thing he gets out of it is the work itself and the audience. And maybe that helps a lot, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, art for the sake of art, maybe that's the only way you can really uh, stay authentic and not fall into the grind. I don't know. It, 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 it's it's sad if it is. I mean, here's a guy. Who I <laughs> really wish there were just a minimum income. I wish there were. I yeah. wish yeah. he could just have his rent well, paid he, for he and wasn't, some food. He wasn't and, homeless. Yeah, right. No, but I mean, you and know. he yeah he was lucky in that he um you know well he lived in the same place for however long thirty years he had roommates and um had kind of a you know it was right close to KPFA and he just basically went from his apartment to KPFA back to his apartment. So he found a so, way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. I, and, um, uh, and could live and breathe his art, you know, and that's a huge luxury. I think, you know, I think otherwise people have to spend eight hours a day occupying their brain and their time with something that they don't want to do. And then, right. you know, and then having to switch gears into the art that you're trying to make is really difficult. And so, you know, Don was lucky and both, he was both dedicated and he was lucky in that he could focus on this stuff 24 hours a day. Um, and that's why it exists is because he could. Um, but also if I had the time to Mm -hmm. focus entirely on art, I don't know that I could, I doubt that I could, you know, to have that kind of dedication and um intensity to live and breathe your art and nothing else i don't i don't know that i could do that you know i think it's kind of a special kind of person yeah Mm -hmm. and we're talking with ryan worsley documentary filmmaker of the film how radio isn't done which uh came out in february of 2018 and features don joyce who was the radio collage late night genius who created uh, Over the Edge, (laughs) a radio show that again like we're celebrating this radio show and don joyce's work it only could be on a community radio station and because there's it's not it's weird it's and it's important work and people who get into it are very into it but it's not widely popular i'd argue that the weirdness of it nevertheless presaged a lot of aesthetic that made it made its way into popular culture, the cut-up aesthetic, uh, mm-hmm. the mashup culture. Sure. Uh, all of these things are things which Don and Negative Land, yeah. I think, pioneered and popularized because it, uh, as, as sort of fringe as they may be, you know, they did get sued by U2. <laughs> they, they, they had moments in which, yeah. you know, they, they, there was fame. But that was not for a sample. That was just for an unauthorized cover. But it kind of doesn't matter right, because yeah. it, it brought them some amount of notoriety, which turned more people onto it. I know about them from working in college radio because the, the albums that Negative Land makes yeah. would come in and everyone would get really excited when there was a new Negative Land The letter album. U and the numeral 2. And, very good album. And, you know, so, and I think that, you know, in yeah. a way that they were influential. Obviously, they were not the only people using this aesthetic and applying yeah. it in such a way. But but it was on the radio. It was on the radio. And it was in, yeah. and it was probably in your local Sam Goody. And it was probably in right. your local Tower Records. That's right. right. And I think that this whole um, generation, there was this whole generation of people, especially in the suburbs, that were kind of fascinated with, you know, the idea that you could take a tape and record whatever you want to on it. And I think that there was, you know, things happening with sampling all, 
just kind of, you know, bubbling up to the surface. And part of it came up, I think, with Negative Land because they decided we're going to make records. And even though, you know, they they were like, I think, one of the first groups that sort of just made their own records. And they really made their own records, like they made the packaging out of wallpaper and stuff, and um, but could get them into stores. But be, but but they were the one of the first groups I think that 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 put records out with this sampling mm-hmm. um, stuff and sampling in that it was you know cassette deck dubbed <laughs> stuff and, and cut up tape yeah <laughs> and cut up, and and physically cut tape yes cut and splice together um, but yeah I think it was happening it was something that was happening because of the technology and because of the fascination and and. And it happened because of that time when, when, because you could, but not everybody put out records. Um, but at the same time, Negative Land still made songs. And so Over the Edge is not songs at all. It's, it's, it's three hours. And but songs might that be was, workshopped on it, I noticed. Like, yeah. You, you well, would they hear do. Yeah. So, that, yeah. That exactly. There's no beginning, album. middle, or there's middles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, a lot of middle. And, and, and yeah, and there are there are kind of starts and stops to let's say thoughts, but but, um, but it's a three hour show, and so that was one challenge first of all. In that it's this is a three hour art piece that you want to you know take down into clips and and feature clips in a movie or try to yeah, and you can It's really hard to do because it's um, that's not what it is, and it, and it so it wasn't supposed to be this sort of like the best of you know because it's quite challenging to find even a three minute clip of within over the edge that, that even makes sense because things come back from a previous hour or later, or they've been repeated. And and it's like, you you have to, if you listen to the three hours, you actually get more out of it than if you listen to some little small bit. And this is one of the very few long format, uh, time-based art, uh, things and so I don't think, I don't know that people even quite know how to listen to it, yeah. you know? Well, if like, listeners <laughs> who hear this uh, now want to listen to all yeah, three hours, uh, the the band Negative Land made made all of these shows available on archive.org. You just have yes. to search for um, Over the Edge or Don Joyce. Uh, link yeah. in the show notes on our website, radiosurvivor.com. It, it's really great because, you know, KPFA had some archives or all of these archives um, starting when the internet uh, became a thing, but they were, mm-hmm. uh, they were MP3s. They were, they were streaming yep. quality. So it's really mm-hmm. cool that, uh, that they did this yeah. work to put, to put John Joyce's uh, show out there. They're still working on it. They're still putting ah, shows the archive up there. Is not complete. It's not complete, but it, there's a lot up there and um, yeah. And you can search uh, for themes and, um, and pretty much yeah, download high quality wave files. And yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. You know, they sold tapes of over the yes. edge air checks. That was back actually in the 90s. how Don made some made a little bit of money back in the day. Was uh, um, you know after he got a little bit of popularity, people would would request tapes. So I think he would sell, he would tape yeah. his own work and then sell them. And so that's how the tapes exist because um, you know that was how they were saved. As uh, people recorded them or people you know ordered them from Don, and that was how it how the archive exists. One of the things that Ryan Worsley. One of the things you did in the documentary about Don Joyce and his show Over the Edge, How Radio Is Done, How Radio Isn't Done, uh, <laughs> is um, you did talk to one fan about their opinion of the show. And I'm wondering why why that guy, <laughs> right? Jerry Chamkus? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the former physicist. Former physicist. So Jerry Chamkus, um, 
this this information is missing from the film too. But Jerry Champkiss used to be the person that recorded all the over the edges, and um, there's actually a really great episode where um, someone calls in and asks how they can get a tape, and um, Don just says over the air, "Hey Jerry, hey Jerry, uh, if you're there, this guy wants a tape," and then Jerry. <laughs> calls in and says, you know, Hey, it's Jerry. Yep. I'm recording. And so like he was, you know, he, he was, he was a part of it, okay. but the that unofficial was why archivist. He was the unofficial archivist. Yes. And he, and so, so he lived in Berkeley at the time or somewhere in he the did, Bay area. He did not. He just had a giant satellite and was just a huge fan. Uh, he was in Austin. And, um, oh, he was getting so the he satellite really was, yes, he was just a huge nerd, um, that listened to the show is one of them. Uh, you'll think I'm compulsive. I've listened to that 50 times, at least 50 times. 25 now we need of them to, within we need to contact this guy. So what was his name? Oh yeah. He's great. His name's Jerry Chamkiss. So J-A-M-K-I-S. Jerry Chamkiss is getting a high quality uh, I, bl- I don't know that, I don't know what his setup was, but um, just so you know, while we were sitting there, he had this little like noise thing going that you can hear in, in the audio. Uh-huh. This kind of gently evolving multi... There's always three things going at once, as in Over the Edges. So you have to listen to it four or five times yeah. to just, you know, follow each one of the elements. So this and, and what that noise was is the sound of space. Like he, he was, he, he was, he's also sort of an artist and he would yeah. download, um, this, I, I, he, he explained, he, it's basically like the audio of space. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got a big dish in his backyard. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But he's really into audio and he's just, he's just, he was just a, I think he was just a fan. I actually didn't get the whole story of how he started. But he was just a, a massive, massive fan, yeah. and he just started recording them, and then he became the sort of official recorder. The official archivist of archivist. Over the Edge. That's amazing wow, that's great. story. And yeah. that, I guess so he told you about his favorite episode. Yes, and so he told me about his favorite episode, which was Time After Time, and I did listen to it, and it was and it, and it is amazing, and it's, and it's great. And where did the dream come from? Since photons travel at the speed of light, yeah. by definition, so, yeah, so that's, so that's why one fan's opinion there is no distance. That is, every place in the universe is right here. Yeah, I I uh, would have liked to have talked to other fans, but how do you find? How do you find them? You know, so well there you was. Uh, I participated in a uh, mailing list, emailing list uh, in the '90s and 2000s called Snuggles. Uh huh. Uh, because because you, you you can't open up with a goddamn dead dog dying. That's right. It's from the U two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it but but the okay. thing is is they're all negative land uh, fans. But mm-hmm. every single person on that list also a collage artist. Sure. <laughs> and would use the mailing list to coordinate creating their own albums, That's which awesome. and uh, which they would then there was a project called the Drop Lift Project, hmm. and that what they would do is they would choose a UPC code for some other album, have the CDs made, and put them into record stores. Mm. That's great. <laughs> so, that's, so that, uh, and, you know, they wouldn't distribute them, so they would go to your Sam Goody. It's like reverse piracy. That's what they call it, drop lifting, as opposed yeah. to shoplifting. Drop lifting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the CD might have the, a Britney Spears UPC code, 
but so when, so someone would buy person it. would ring it up and <laughs> but a person would buy it because they wanted this collage album yeah. right and they right. the the system would register that one more Britney Spears album sold right. and the the money would go to the store yeah not the artist right but they and were... their art would be distributed yeah wow cool drop lifting the drop lift project they might still do it and it was related to negative land because you guys were organized through a fan club yeah it was a mailing list essentially and i was more of a of a spectator than a than a, than a truly active participant yeah. but the very the most active participants were all collage artists well, themselves is, now that we're going down this road it's time for me this is the after dark segment i believe uh ryan this is where the radio <laughs> survivor podcast sort of just goes on and on but we we use it i i once my new i was taking some family leave from my work at kpfa and was home with my newborn son in 2006 and at 1 a.m. at 2 a.m. on a Thursday, on a Friday morning, uh, the boy, the very small boy, uh, is crying nonstop. And I just picked up my phone and I dialed the KPFA on-air studio line. And so sometime in 2006, in early April or mid-April, there is a wailing little infant. And I, I have, and the fun part of being a caller is... You know, I have no idea what Don Joyce did with that mix. Yep. And I still, to this day, have not hunted down this specific archive to find out what it sounds like. But it, but a part of but me hopes there. that it sounds pretty cool. Because, yeah. you know, a wailing baby, that's... You, he, that's a great. Yeah. He, I bet I bet he was so excited when he got answered the phone. Oh, good. Just like, uh, I bet, you know, I can just, just imagine like, oh, this hasn't happened before. <laughs> that's good. You can probably cut in and out too. It's just like now three hours later, the baby's still crying. Yeah, that, <laughs> that poor kid would cry a lot. He got over it at some point. But yes, that's, that's, my, that's my story. That and just uh, the guy was clearly um, hyper-focused on his work. So I would crash in there in my youthful exuberance for his art and say hello. And he'd be in the middle of the mix and he wouldn't, he didn't have the, social skills to kick me out, but he should have. <laughs> and I would get the message and leave pretty quickly. But for a minute, I would just watch what he did with all just piles and piles and piles of excess equipment. There's enough equipment in that room to get a lot of work done. And he would bring in more to yeah. get to make his show, all those cart machines and all those mixers and everything else. Um, yeah. And I also, I offered at one point to like, could I, could I give you some material? He's like, yeah, burn it on a CD, leave it in my mailbox. I will use it. Uh, you know, a station That's ID. Awesome. He's an omnivore. Yeah, you'll take. He's take an. It off. <laughs> I, yeah. But yeah. there was another time. This would have been outsider art, right? Right. Well, it, and it was. I think it is. It just. I think. It, I think it's exactly what it is. It's just that um, the only venue that so far that's worked for it is radio. Yeah. Like actually broadcast yeah. live, so there. You know, you wonder where else it could play. You know, in what in what format does it fit now? Yeah, and I because it's a little bit sad to me that it's on the Internet Archive. Like it's accessible, but it it's not doing anything stale. You know, yeah, it's like kind of just wrapped up and stuffed in a box almost. So when uh, used to have the twenty uh, four hour some way to let it out. I don't know. That, though, yeah, it, it seems like it should be let out somehow. Yeah. Just, you know, it should be broadcast But the magic somewhere. the magic of accidentally, which you have in your documentary, of accidentally turning on your radio and thinking to yourself, "Wow, today is a special day because this is not what I expected." And I'm a very <laughs> special person, and then to find out that oh, this is 
This is somebody, somebody's doing this on purpose. I, I, yeah, it's a discovery. It's like you thought you discovered it, but somebody was making County. it. And one night when I was 15, I was just channel surfing and I came into one of the spots on the dial where you could pick up two stations at once, both equally loudly. So I stopped there and just listened for a couple of seconds to entertain myself until I suddenly realized that it wasn't two stations. It was actually only one station. And within about 30 seconds, it was... It was a real life-changing paradigm shift where I realized that live electronic music did exist. Uh, a little anecdote. In, in the 90s, I was working at a community radio station in central Illinois, uh, and uh, we had somehow a surplus of corporation for, for public broadcasting funds that, that could only be spent on acquiring national programming. Cool. And it was just like a few hundred bucks, so it wasn't like a ton of money. And we simply spent the remaining bit all on tapes from Negative Land. We wrote a check for several hundred dollars to Don Joyce for these Negative Land tapes, for Over the Edge tapes, to simply fill in late nights. (laughs) That's awesome. And and we just said, you know, what better thing could we do to spend a little bit of this federal money on uh, on some wonderful Over the Edge? Great. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's uh, almost it, it. It's hard to really wrap your head around, and and it's interesting, you know, that now it continues and that the work is still continues in a way because the show still exists and and folks in Negative Land have taken it over, and that the archives are being preserved, and and it's fitting since I mean Don was essentially a consummate archivist, really, so it's only okay. fitting that his uh, work should be preserved like that. Yeah. Um, right. And I'm going to ask you another personal question. So after having, you know, you've, you've completed this film, you've had some showings. Um, what, what, what is the lasting effect on you having worked on this, getting to know the, the work of Don Joyce and Negative Land better and having uh, constructed this, this very loving uh, tribute in film form? What effect has it had on you and, and what, what, what effect might it have on, on some of your future work? That's a great, really good question. I, I, it affected me in that because I was surrounded by authentic people doing authentic art, um, it changed my world a little bit because um, I was, you know, I was led into this community that is so um, it is so dedicated to authenticity and and figuring things out figuring out um culture and uh what things mean and you know in the documentary world you're not really sure you're you're putting together these stories and then kind of putting them out in the world but not really sure why or or is it really your work or you know, and it's kind of thankless, but when you're around a bunch of people that are doing things for themselves and they're doing things for themselves that they are proud of, it really rubs off. And I think anytime anybody um, does things for their own reasons, it's, it's, it's admirable and um, it's, it, it's something to live up to. 
Well, Ryan Worsley, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Show. Thank you. That was a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed that conversation with Ryan Worsley, filmmaker who created the film How Radio Isn't Done about Don Joyce and Negative Land. And we it's not up the, the last top. time we're going to talk about that show because it's still, it still just eats at my mind how much I like it, how I'm going to spend more time with it. Of course, you can find the archives on archive.org. Link in the show notes here at Radio Survivor. Uh, RadioSurvivor.com, episode number... 141 where we'll have a link to uh, episodes of over the edge that you can enjoy and i mentioned at the top of the show but i wanted to follow up that oh, the- not to mention the documentary if you want to yes, watch that's it that's right so sorry paul <laughs> i wanted we mentioned at the top of the show i wanted to follow up about the grassroots radio conference which will be happening this october 5th through 7th in portland Oregon, and this is an opportunity for people to come together from across all sorts of grassroots radio, whether you're at a community station, a college station, a new low-power FM station, maybe you're just a producer, not just a producer, maybe you produce a show somewhere, or you're a, a community podcaster like the folks at Bainbridge Community Broadcasting, or you'd like to learn how to do any of these things. It's a great opportunity. It's 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 all about a love for community style radio. It's an opportunity to share. It's an opportunity to learn. But I wanted to mention that registration is open already. If you want to kind of go get ahead and uh, get your name in, so make sure you reserve your place to attend this great conference. But also there's a call for proposals. So is there something that you'd like to share, something you'd like to learn, maybe a panel discussion, a workshop? Um, It could be about how to do radio. It could be how to do podcasting. I'd love to see something about community podcasting or maybe even about part 15. Uh, Legal unlicensed radio is a great option. There's all these great ideas, but right now is the time to uh, put them into the bucket for the organizing committee to look through and help put together a really awesome program. Go to grassrootsradioconference.org. We'll also have uh, information at radiosurvivor.com. How exciting! A, a chance to get a, to be a part of the community uh, radio world here, face in, to face. Yeah, here in Portland this fall. Well, Paul, thank you so much for another episode of Radio Survivor. My name is Eric Klein. Your name is Paul Reismandel. If people want to do more to help us out, you can go to our website, radiosurvivor.com. Slash support. Slash support. And if you've got anything to say about the program, have any suggestions, or you want to just give us some feedback about what you've heard, drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Thank you so much for spending another hour with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, see you next week.